0: On today's edition of Making Sense of the Sens, the Sens go 2-0 since we've last spoke. So lots of good stuff to talk about, including a great couple performances from Craig Anderson. We do, however, unfortunately have to address Brady Kachuk's injury. He'll be out for the next month with a torn ligament in his leg. We've got some new segments. We've got the 401, we're going to call it now, but... We're still up for debate for the name. So if you got a good idea, send it our way. It's a B Send segment. Pillar and I were at the game. Prairie Fire on deck and an interview with Send's prospect, Jonathan Gruden.
1: Okay, hey, this is Sean Donovan, and
0: you're listening to the guys at SEN Central. What I like about our group right now is we could easily be afraid of games like that. We could easily sit back and you know let our youth take over in terms of our inexperience as a group. But you know the message in here is let's go get it. Why not? We have nothing to lose. Let's just let's go get this game. We're at home. Um, you know we're getting lots of chances and and uh, we went after it. I mean that's going to be our mentality all season. You know even if we're down a goal there, we're going after it. We're not going to you know try and you know not lose. You know and that's that's the worst thing you can do. And I thought we did a really good job going after that game tonight. The mentality of wanting to win is exactly what's going to make Matt Duchesne want to remain an Ottawa Senator beyond this season. Reports are that his agent has met with Dorian for some preliminary talks. Hey, Pillar and I actually saw Dorian last night in Belleville. We'll get to the Send stuff, including a new segment. Are we calling it On the Way Home? I don't know. We'll think of a name, or if you have a good one, send it our way. We've got Prairie Fire And next up in our College Sens series, Senators prospect Miami of Ohio freshman Jonathan Gruden chatted with Parley this week. Lots of great stuff. All that and more coming up in the Chris DiDomenico episode. Episode 49, (laughs) nonetheless, of Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan in the TSN studio. And over the phone, we got Chris Parliament.
2: Hey, what's up, boys? And Brandon Piller. Hey, guys, yeah, let's definitely go with Dito. I miss that guy.
0: Yeah, well, we could also go with Freddie Clayson, who wore that in 2016 before he switched to number 33. Also, Chris Kelly in 2004 before he got a a real number, you could say. Now, boys. Captain
3: Canada, Chris Kelly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Captain Canada and now member of the Sens development staff. And the Senators, I was going to say they had an amazing week. But now it's just a newsworthy week because those back-to-back home wins against the Kings and Stars were all what Senators fans could have wished for. But now the news that Brady Kachuk's going to be out at least the next month with a torn ligament in his leg. Now, I, I want to circle leg because it's not knee. So we saw he's wearing a walking boot. So no knee damage, which is important because if it was knee a month is not even close. No surgery required, but that's a huge blow. Parley, how wild was it that he finished that game and scored the game winner? I mean, the guy's a professional. If you want to talk about veteran
3: status as a rookie, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible, but he's starting to show that he's got the chops to do it as a pro. And he's doing it with some uh, with some gusto as well. He's scoring. He's jumping in plays. He's still throwing the body around afterwards. So, yeah, the legend
2: of Brady Kachuk is growing for sure. Yeah, Brady Kachuk. What what more can you say about this guy? I just love this guy. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think Zadina would play through a game yeah. with a torn ligament in his life. <laughs> These are the intangibles. This is why Dorian was so high on Brady Kachuk, and this is why we all love Kachuk. Can't wait for him to be back.
0: Yeah, and he was producing a lot of offense, six points in three games, four games rather, but in three because he had no points in that opening matinee in Boston. So he was on a tear. But eh, no pun intended. I felt terrible (laughs) when I finished that sentence. He was. And Mark Stone said today that he's so young, he's going to come back 100%. We'll get to those Halloween costumes a little later on, shake and bake. But, boys, we're a goalie-friendly show. But we were hard on Craig Anderson last episode. When we recorded, he hadn't allowed under three goals in a game until Saturday. Now just two goals on the last 75 combined shots in those two games. How much is it that Anderson was just in the zone? Because Ottawa's giving up a league-high 38.3 shots per game.
2: Ross, I I think Craig Anderson is one of those guys. And most goalies can attest to this that he's not quite feeling he's not quite in the zone and in his game unless he's getting a lot of shots you already mentioned it, a league high 38.3 shots per game I feel like that's good for Craig Anderson's game it keeps him warm and as long as he's continually improving on stopping those wraparound goals which I actually think <laughs> he's been better at the wraparound and his stick handling has been a little bit better this season so I think it's can only go up for Craig Anderson at this point.
0: I don't know how teams don't try more wraparounds against him, eh, Parley? It <laughs> seems like the way to go.
3: It's almost a cheat code against the Senators. You just try the wraparound. It's like the glitch goal in all the NHL games that you learn after five games of playing it. But with Craig Anderson right now, of course, we talk about the wraparounds because that's something glaring in his game. But if he keeps playing the way he does, I think I'm going to have a hairline like his pretty quickly. That skate save he made, like so I'm all sick. for old-fashioned hockey, but w- come on, just keep the pads on the ice. It's a butterfly league now. Oh man, my heart was pumping for him, but yeah, Craig Anderson's. It's looking like right now, if he can keep this up, he's going to keep with the trend of up and down years.
0: Well, he's already been named the starter for Ottawa's next game. We'll preview all that after all of our segments, but. A little that, bit of rest. That defense is uh, is pretty banged up, or at least with Yaros kind of shuttling up and down and CeCe out for the foreseeable future, at least this weekend. Doesn't sound like he'll be ready for Monday either. Um, we saw Ben Harper, who, again, a guy we were hard on, a guy we thought had a bad camp, was only here on a one-way contract, but he stepped up not only on his defensive play being more physical, but we've actually seen him make quite a few nice, like, tape-to-tape outlet passes. Can we expect that to continue? We saw he was on the third pair with Borvietsky. Now, personally, I'd like to see one of LeJoie or Weidman with one of each of those two guys, just a proven puck mover. Funny saying that about a 21-year-old in Lajoie, but he just looks like so mature for, mature for his age. So how would you guys like to see the defense to shake out in the next couple of games?
3: Ben Harper stepped up and done exactly what he's had to do in this absence. And I think when you get guys like that, kind of the fringe guys, especially if they're on a one-way deal where, Hey, we got to keep you here to play. So you got to go out and show it. I think he's in the mentality right now. of, I got to just stay in my own game here. And I think that's the effectiveness that we've seen his ice time grow with because you mentioned it he's playing physically. He's stepping up in the neutral zone, but I thought he's had a great stick in the last few games. And, Not just breaking up passes and stuff like that, but I thought Jamie McLennan had a great game the other day between the benches, pointing things out. And one of the things he pointed out was when there was a player going to the net, he had a shot and he had beaten Harper in what was body positioning, and Harper was a little slower in the foot race. But Harper's reach, he used his stick, and it was the way Noodles said it was, it was great stick on puck. And I thought that was a great thing to point out. And that's been a big part of Harper's game so far is being able to stick with players with his reach, not so much his feet,
2: but still being able to make quality play on his own end. Yeah, I I agree, Parley. I think Harper needs to realize the reason the Sens fell in love with him so much is that size. Use that size. He knows he's not going to beat almost anyone in a foot race. So use your reach. Use your body. Just all he needs to do is continue just making safe, smart plays and I think he can he can have a solid time on that bottom deep air if he can continue to be consistent and not go back to what we saw from him last season.
3: So he had played. And if your toolbox is shallow, use the tools you have in there effectively, <laughs> and
2: that's all you got to do.
0: Well, it's yeah. never never too late to add to your toolbox either, because we saw early in that first game that he played this season, he took air, Alex fallow out. With his head down along the boards. And I think that set the tone for the game. It said, you're a big team. We know that you've you're built your brand on being that, that brash team that's physical. Yep. Well, well, you're not coming in to, to the CTC and dominating our us on the body. So that was really good of him to get engaged physically early on. I'm sure that after over a week and a half without a game, he was kind of uh, nervous, I would say, for his first couple shifts. So to calm the nerves and, and kind of set the tone for the game, I really enjoyed watching him do that.
2: Are we worried that this team looks a lot better defensively without our quote-unquote new number one defenseman, Cody CC in the lineup? Because I feel just fine.
0: I know. it's it, It's crazy.
2: If
3: you want to talk about that, I think it's important to talk about the division of ice time and right now it's going to max legois and he played over 21 minutes the other night ben harper was up around the 20 minute mark and thomas Shabbat was playing 19 minutes that's a lot of youth a lot of inexperience but if they mm-hmm. play quality hockey that's kind of the word rebuild got thrown around on repeat this summer if you want to rebuild it getting guys getting young guys like that big pieces of the rebuild big time minutes against I mentioned it on the last podcast, big-time players. There's been a lot of tough matchups against top units this season so far. These are these are great learning moments because there's no better way to learn than when there's no expectation on you to have long-term success throughout the season, but you're still playing those NHL minutes. It's all going to add up over time, and I think it's only helping these young guys.
0: Before we move on to the segment still unnamed, we got it mentioned that Max LeJoie has never scored more than 8 goals in a season going back to bantam. Going back to bantam, guys. It was in 2015-2016 he scored 8 goals in 62 games with the Swift Current Broncos. He had 7 the year before, 7 the year after. Never more than 8.
2: He's got 4 in 6 NHL games. This is ridiculous. He's a team leader for the Sens in goals. Like who we didn't even think he would Get a spot on the on the lineup for the Ottawa Senators. We didn't even really contemplate that in the off season, and now he's leading them in scoring. What a world!
0: Yeah, and, and then you want to
2: talk about maturity,
3: sorry, Ross. No, no worries. Brent Wallace had him in an interview in the last broadcast, and he was saying that he or he asked him, "When you jump up in the play like that, is this chances you're taking, or is that confidence in your game that this isn't a one off chance? I may have a quality play out of this, and I may score here." And I love LeJois answer. He said, yeah, I am confident right now because the guys around me and the coaching staff are giving me these opportunities and saying, this is part of your game. Go out there and execute. And right now he's playing with confidence and he's able to execute because he's playing freely. And I think that's a huge part while he's the Senators' team leader in goals,
0: and how funny is it that he's almost overshadowing the fact that Thomas Shabbat is over a point a game as well? Like, yeah. like Thomas Shabbat is the prize possession of the 2015 draft class. Max LeJoy went the fifth round, so it's just crazy to see that. So Pillsy, throw it over. Like, how how do you want to explain the segment?
2: Well, I mean, this is this is some bare bones broadcasting. We literally, <laughs> like, this, we just finished our game. The Belleville Fenders banked the Binghamton Devils 5-2. And we just got in our car, turned on the mic, and drove home and chatted. So, I don't really know what to call this. I don't want to call it on the road because we're covering home games. It's kind of confusing.
0: It's almost ironic, though.
2: Yeah, sure. If you want to be ironic about it, then yes, we're on the road covering the home games. But... You know what? This was just a fun little segment. Honestly, I think it was more for us just pass time on the 180-kilometer <laughs> ride home. So we hope you guys enjoy it, and if you have any good names, please let us know on Twitter.
0: Tweet us at Send Central. Still trying to think of a name for this little segment that Pilsy and I are going to do. Every time we work the Belleville Senators games on the way back, we'll, you know, we'll give you a rundown of what happened, what we saw, our experience... In the control room. We're both looking sharp. We're wearing our red staff jackets. We got the B sense logo. They're awesome. We got the logo over the heart, <laughs> just where it should be. But for the B Pilsy. The B Sens are a wagon. They dismantled their ex-girlfriends in Binghamton. 5-2. The final score. It was 5-0 at one point.
1: Yeah, really, uh, the devil's pretty much just snuck two in there at the end. Not much chance for McKenna on the second one, that was a tough play, but uh, 5-2 is a great opening night score, and Ross, how about two tilts too for the home crowd? Yeah,
0: and you mentioned the home crowd, it was a packed house, and fans were there early. So we got there just after 3 o'clock, and the red carpet was out, not for us. But the players, they were—they all walked in, and had to move inside due to wind, some unforeseen circumstances, but... Hey, it was still great. How good cool! time. How cool was it seeing the two Barracuda swim in together? Bergman and Balsers, and I know you want to get into Balsers.
1: Well, Ross, like you said earlier, Barracuda, they travel in packs, so it doesn't surprise me that Balsers and Bergman coming in. Um, or at least I'm assuming so. I don't I don't know. I'm not a Barracuda Fish expert. Fish are weird. Schools. Um, but Balsers, he has fit in so nicely, especially with new head coach coming in there. Finally allowing the top line to be young, developing players like Balsers Schlappick, and Batherson. So Ballsters has been feasting on this top line and playing great in that new Belleville Senators uniform.
0: Yeah, and he's doing it in multiple different ways. You saw the skill in a few of his highlights leading right into the training camp after the trade. But he's a little grittier. He finishes checks and he, he's got a nose for the net. He kind of—he's in the mold of—I won't say a power forward, but a guy who's not afraid to get to those dirty areas and with outside speed and the hands we know he has—it's such an important element that he that he oh, does yeah. have and that he can continue to develop. And I think there's a
1: lot of uh, offensive potential with Balsers. Like he—he's coming back as one of the main pieces of that Carlson trade, and I think there's a reason to get excited about him. Who knows when we'll see him up in the show, but he's definitely showing. That he can dominate at an AHL level. I mean, he led the Barracuda last year in scoring.
0: Yeah, we talked about the injury to Brady Kachuk already. Maybe by the time this podcast comes out, I mentioned we're driving on the 401 West right now. We're heading back to Toronto. It's 11:15. We're driving. We're, we're going right now, and um, maybe the Sens will make a call up before then. But if not, let's discuss. Like Kachuk's out. Uh, you got to think a forward's going to come back up. It could just yeah. be. The easy call of bringing Nick Paul up, who spent last First week star today. with Ottawa. And yeah, when we talk about Balsers and we'll get into Batherson too, we can't forget that Nick Paul had himself a game. Yeah,
1: and he made such a good play. I forget who scored it, but it was a tic-tac-toe play. I think it was on a power play. Was that Balsers who had finished it off? It was. Where Nick Paul didn't even waste any time and fed Balsers Right in that
0: nice, sweet spot, power play goal. I think that was a 2 nothing goal. Yeah, and that was good puck movement. Bathurston, one of his three assists on that goal. But, well, Linen didn't get an assist there. But he was at the top of the umbrella on the power play. And yep. he was making really good reads and spreading it out. He went one pass on his backhand to his right side. Then Saucer one on the left side to the half wall. Uh, it was Bathurston and Paul on either side. But then the puck was feathered across, and then Paul made that one-touch Batherson back out into the slot, or to the far side by Paul, and um, and Bolsters was there to finish it.
1: Well, there you go. There's your play-by-play by Ross Levitan. Hey,
0: speaking of play-by-play, we met the color commentator tonight of Belleville Senators' broadcast, Footy, Footy. on the Air. <laughs> yeah, and of course, that was facilitated by a friend of the show, Joel Vanderlyn, who we finally got to put a face to the name with, so that was awesome as well. Yeah, it's always good, especially it's,
1: it's kind of nice just being able to chat before the game, just get some of the scoop on the Belleville Senators, which if you don't already follow, give Joel Vanderlaan a follow. The best Belleville Senators news you can get. This guy's grinding, and driving. He's got an even farther drive
0: than us, Ross, driving all the way from
1: Grimsby.
0: Yeah, that's no easy task and likely an accident or two or at least some traffic jams on the way. Yeah. That's planning ahead. So we got mad respect for Joel Vanderlin. You'll be hearing him on this show very soon. And how cool is it who walked by us while we were all having that chat? None other than Mr. Pierre Dorian. Yep. The whole Sens Brass, it seemed, were in, in attendance. Crawford is there too. We saw Mark Crawford, goalie coach Pierre Grew as well. And it's good for them to see such a dominant performance. Uh, mentioning the goalie coach, we should give props being a goalie-friendly show to Mike McKenna. Even though he Big catches the balls. wrong way, he was the second star of the game. Yeah, and second start of the game for a reason, Ross. I
1: mean, the Devils outshot Belleville 40-25. to 25. He was busy all night. And at one point, he made, I think it was three saves in a row, all off an extended pad save, two rebounds. And just what a good veteran goalie to come in here and really show Marcus Hogberg and Gustafsson. How to be a pro at night in, night out. This guy's been to back-to-back
0: Calder Cup finals. He's an AHL vet, and he proved it tonight. Yeah, just the two goals against tonight. Give him, I believe, three wins this year. Maybe two. I'm driving, so I have an excuse why my stats Stats guy coming good. up. Good. Stats guy coming up. Here's what I need. I need to know... How many points? Second win for McKenna. Second win for McKenna, I believe, in his third start because Hogberg hasn't played yet, and Gustafson played the one game out in Winnipeg where he got the win. But secondly, Balsers and Batherson, each with, I believe, three points tonight and each with four points last game. And this was a depleted team injury-wise. Logan Brown didn't play. Philip Schlappick didn't play. We... Mentioned the laundry list of injuries. The you know, whole organization is yeah, a even laundry list of injuries. And interestingly enough, Christian Yarosh wasn't in the lineup, nor was he introduced at all. Uh, maybe the the Sens brass let him stay in Ottawa to have, I know they did their Halloween party tonight, so maybe yeah. as as a benefit of having such a good camp. I don't know. But it was said that on paper, at least, he was sent down to the minors. So yeah. just a With note there, I don't think there's much to look into, but it is worth mentioning um
1: shout out shoeless joes yeah hey belleville uh senator's sponsor shoeless joes you went there for a quick drink after the game and uh oh more importantly i
0: know you had your caesar but more importantly flatbreads 10 bucks every wednesday and they were delicious there's your shout out shoeless joes absolutely all right
1: ross here's the stats lines from stats guy brandon four games played for drake batherson two goals six assists eight points Four, go- four games played for Balsers, four goals, two assists, six points.
0: Just unbelievable start to their Belleville Senators career. And for Drake Batherson, we saw, I believe it's it's his aunt or maybe, maybe grandmother. Anyways, a relative of, of Drake's tweeted at him saying that his dad was in attendance. So he got nice. to see a pretty good show there. Um, what's up next for Belleville?
1: Well, next is uh, Hartford... Wolfpack,
0: Adam Tambellini's former team.
1: That's the Rangers affiliate, right? It sure is. So will we see Brendan Smith, the uh, maybe the AHL All Star?
0: He might be the highest-paid player in the AHL this year. Yeah, seriously. I think he's making over four million dollars, and it's not just this year. He is on a long-term deal, and Kenny Holland has a few of those. I think with Detroit that he'd like to have back, but that's. Another story for another day. Maybe we'll wait until Purdy's here to defend himself on that one. Yeah, or till we see
1: uh, Zadina be just a complete flop. Just next weekend. When they come see the wagon of a team in the B sense.
0: Yeah, if you're planning ahead, let's say you're in Ottawa, you want to watch Belleville, maybe you want to wait a week to see if Brown and Schlappick will be healthy. Philip Zadina and the Grand Rapids Griffins will be here two nights in a row on Friday and Saturday night, so... Just something to keep in mind. Yeah, and we'll see uh, Zadina made that
1: famous threat that he's going to fill the teams that passed up on him. He's going to fill their nets up with pucks. We'll see if he meant uh, in the AHL as well. I think he was focused on NHL there, but he's he's still down here.
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> Fighting words. Well, that was fun, Pilsy. Um, we kind of just got to oversee everything tonight talking about what we did uh, in the control room. But we, Mike... Mike told us we're gonna have a roll next time. We'll be we'll be right in it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But it was kind of nice to see how how everyone in the crew last year kind of did things.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was good to get a chance just to see how things work and how the team works. And we're stoked to be doing this probably at least 30 more times this year. And we're gonna see a lot of good B sense hockey. And just in this amount
0: of time we've been talking, we've almost gone 40 kilometers on our way back. So. Only 120 more to go. Yeah, exactly. No problem. Hey, it's all for the love of the game, and I uh, can't say enough. So, hey, as long as they're making quick wins and doing this, makes the drive pretty easy. And All right, so you can expect that each and every time Pilsy and I go to and from Belleville for their home games. And if it's in between episodes, maybe we'll just release it as a separate entity. We're going to keep it at 10 minutes. We're not going to go over that, but just a fun thing. You know, we, we've got eyes there. We're there. We may as well kind of uh, let you guys know what we saw. And, you know, one of the things is you're going to see a lot of those players coming up and down with the shuttle back and forth, being so close to Ottawa. And you saw that because Nick Paul got sent down. He's with the Senators for the past week, but he made an impact and I think he should be the call up because he was already there. Didn't get an opportunity. He's older than these other guys who we mentioned in, in the segment have had unbelievable starts and it's his time. And he looked unreal last night.
3: Yeah. You want to mention Nick Paul, they were talking about it on the broadcast again. It was Jason Spetz's. He was back and uh, we all, we talked about the Mark Massot return, but there's also Jason Spetz coming back and, When you look at that deal, I mean, Nick Paul is showing right now he still is able to be a playmaker and make a difference and make an impact on the score sheet, and he's still young. So the Senators keep having to give this guy a shot, and I agree. Nick Paul should be the call-up, but this is a very tough pill to swallow for Logan Brown because you have to imagine that he's going to be the next guy on the ladder to make that step up to the NHL but a tough injury at a tough time. And right now I feel for him because Logan Brown, I think would be the next guy up.
0: Well, Schlappic as well, who's also yeah. hurt day to day.
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, uh, sometimes when it rains, it pours. We're used to that as uh, being around the Sens this, this year. But, I mean, the tough times
2: for Logan Brown. And, yes, Phil Schlappic as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention, Parley. Logan Brown's not the only one who's missing out on a very prime opportunity. Schlappig also having having spent a cup of coffee in the NHL last season. But honestly, I, I agree with you. Uh, Ross, Nick Paul is probably the guy who's going to get the constant calls up and down. But man, have I been impressed with Rudolph Balcers. We talk about a little bit on our little road segment. But he just looks so good. And I think he's got a lot of offensive upside and i just can't wait to see more of rudolph
3: i think a big thing to think about when you're looking at a guy like rudolph balsers and what kind of impact he can make because some some people are thinking well, he played over overseas he doesn't play on the north american ice it's more physical over here i think you play a good player comparison for him to look down the road at is a guy like sebastian aho in carolina if he can be a playmaker like that kind of a smaller guy but is able to use the perimeter of the ice to make plays. I think he's a good player comparable and a very uh, good upside to look at. If you're looking at Rudolph Balsers and I agree, he has been lighting it up.
0: And another, another one just while we're on comparables is he does have a little grit in his game. Like he he's pushing guys around. I, I'd be very happy if he ends up like a Matt Zuccarello um, who's made quite the career for himself. Another guy with some serious potential, is Jonathan Gruden, the son of former Ottawa Senator John Gruden, has two assists in two games, wearing number 71 for the Miami of Ohio Redhawks. And our Chris Parliament sat down for a phone conversation with him the other day. So here it is, Six Minutes with Jonathan Gruden.
3: Here at Sens Central, we are very excited to bring in another Sens prospect currently playing in the NCAA. Sens fans, you know him as the Senators' 2018 4th round selection. Miami University fans know him as a member of the three and one Red Sox. Jonathan Gruden, welcome to the show.
4: How you doing? Thanks for having me,
3: John. You guys are off to a hot start there. And is there any type of expectations you guys have as a team?
4: Um, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, going into the season, there's a lot of different changes to the roster and stuff like that so i think kind of uh you know it's a new beginnings for a lot of people so um a lot of a lot of new faces in the locker room so as a team we're trying to you know focus on uh you know day by day getting better and then uh the, win- the wins will come and they have so
3: one thing that always helps with expectations is experience and you guys have a more veteran group over there and you yourself are the only true freshman. So we've seen players do the solo lap in the NHL and a bunch of different things like that. So did the vets have any fun traditions for you as the young guy on the squad?
4: Uh, not really. Man. Just, you know, as a freshman, do a lot of, you know, the the stuff around the rink, you know, when traveling, carrying stuff. So nothing like that We'll like a lap or anything. Just, you know, a freshman, a freshman, no, no matter the age. So um, they're, they're doing a really good job. He's kind of acclimating us to the to the team.
3: Yeah, hockey guys
4: are usually big team guys anyways. Yeah. So, uh, let's turn back the clock
3: a little bit. Uh, actually, let's go way back. You were a 2000-born player, and that year is also the year your dad, John, had a second stint with none other than the Ottawa Senators. So, obviously, it's special being drafted to anyone in the league, but how cool was it for you to go to Ottawa? Uh,
4: it was so surreal, um, you know, being drafted by Ottawa into the team he played for. Um, you know, I actually have a jersey of, of Gruden you know, on a Senators jersey I, I have um for my younger years but i mean just it was such a surreal you know moment with my family there and you know my dad said just great things about the city and the fans so i'm um, really excited to have been, uh, been drafted there
3: yeah that's so cool you already had the jersey uh yeah. so we've noticed that there's a trend with legacies coming into the league guys that their dad has played before really internationally anywhere how much do you think that that had to do with your development
4: Oh, well, you know, without him, I don't think I'd be here today. Just you know, just the things he's taught me, you know, as since a young kid, um, you know, just always working hard, um, you know, be a good teammate, having fun. That's probably the three things he said to me consistently through through my whole my whole career, and um, something I really take pride in. And so, you know, everything he's done for me, you know, I I really appreciate. and I wouldn't be here without him.
3: Yeah, for sure. It's always good to have that bond. So let's stick with Ottawa now. So you were there for development camp this summer. We were actually there watching too well what we could through the foggy glass. It was pretty hot that weekend. And we're always we're always interested to hear what the senators have to say to you guys in the exit interviews. So what was some of the
4: goals that the development staff asked of you? Um, I mean, just there just really happens how I how I did the at development camp and, you know, going to college, they know that it's gonna be a good development path for me just getting stronger and um, you know, just taking it year by year, and they just said, you know, they'll keep on track of my development, and then um, just just yeah, see year by year what it takes, and then we'll we'll see after that. So, did you have
3: any of your own goals that you wanted to see places you wanted to see your game grow or anything going into this
4: year? Um, I mean, obviously, you want to get bigger and stronger. Um, you know, as the years go on, especially kind of being a, a skinnier guy, but um, you know, I just always want to work on my shot, having a heavier release, uh, stuff like that, and also just you know. Yeah, you know, what, what goes along with strength is just kind of, you know, being more physical, you know, in the corners, kind of demanding the puck more. So a probably things the things I'm going to try to uh, pry myself on this year.
3: Right on. And you mentioned your dad being a mentor for you and helping mold your game. Well, that molded your game into what was really your draft profile of being a smart two-way guy with talent in the face-off circle. So being a two-way guy, I kind of have a two-part question for you here. So who is the player you modeled yourself after growing up? And is there a player in the league now that you try and look at and say I want to play like that guy?
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, as a young kid growing up, you don't really try to monitor a game after anyone. You kind of just like look at the high right, the high <laughs> level guys. And um, you know, being a, being from Detroit, I always loved Pavel Datsyuk. He was growing up, he was so smart with the puck. I mean, they um, don't call him magician man for for no reason. So he was also um, he was awesome just looking up to as a kid. And then you know, when he starts to get you know, older he starts to kinda of look at other guys and little things they do in the game. I really like uh Billy Mark and a lot that that smart two way centerman. Um, you know, really really creates offensive chances but also is really responsible in his own zone. So really like looking at how he approaches his game and it's something I really look up to.
3: Easy to look up to a guy like that when you share the uh national team development program rankings, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we want to thank you again for having you on, but before I let you go I want to ask you one more question. Right after you were drafted, you gave a quote to NHL.com saying, success isn't always going to be a straight line. How much does that go into your mentality that you take into the rink every day?
4: Oh, I mean, it's everything. It's just, you're, you're going to bumps the road. It's just the way it is, um, especially from being in the college. You're playing as older older guys, stronger guys. So, um, you know, if things might not go you late, might not go your right. You can't get discouraged. You have to just stay on track. You know, trust the process. I mean, just keep getting bigger and stronger, being a good teammate. All those little things will, will carry up into the big things. So, um, for me, I'm really excited to get things going here. I'm not going to look too far into the future. Just kind of worry about the team now, and then um, we'll, we'll see what, what that takes me.
3: That's a great mentality, man. Thanks a lot for joining the show, and good luck for the rest of the season short but sweet that was a fun interview with jonathan gruden he seems like a nice guy and i hope you guys like the content we were able to get from him he seems like a very interesting guy and another legacy so that was something we focused on there and he, it was a fun conversation thanks to chad Tuoro. i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly over at the university as well for helping set that up that was a fun conversation and another fun conversation is always with brandon purdy prairie fire
1: prairie
5: fire what is Prairie Fire? This is Prairie Fire, more affectionately known as P-Fire, everyone's favorite segment on Making Sense of the Sends. But we might have to call this installment Pre-Fire as we are pre-recording, coming to you live from a true oasis, the Paris of the Prairies in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where there's smoke, there's fire, where there's fire, there's purdy, and this is Prairie Fire. But boys, now to business. In your opinion, who has made the biggest impact this season for the Senators as a newly acquired player? I'm looking at Tierney, I'm looking at DeMello, and I'm looking at Bodker. One, I'll go, two, three, go.
0: I'll go first on that one, Purdy, just because we tweeted out at Send Central a poll. It's still ongoing, actually. While you guys are answering, I'll get the results and we'll finish off this question with that. But to answer it right away, Dylan DeMello for me. Stay mellow, stay hot. And what he's done to allow Thomas Chabot to really blossom offensively, you've heard Thomas Chabot talk about it. He's just so reliable back there. And that's a pairing that I hope Guy Boucher sticks with all season because I love what I'm seeing from Mello. It's just, yeah, it's great. But, yo, shout out Chris Tierney as well. And and Bodker. They've all been great. But I love what DeMelo brings just in that defensive aspect that Ottawa so badly needed.
3: Yeah, it was important that you shouted out Dylan DeMelo because, what Mark Mathot did for Eric Carlson is what De- Dylan DeMello is doing for Thomas Shabbat, and that's allowing him to be that free-range guy and hold down the anchor. A plus eight is more than what you could hope for out of this guy and more than really what you could ask for. He's doing so well back there, and I think he's a big reason that Craig Anderson is playing so well and as has the save percentage he has because he's a key component in keeping everything to the outside, and that's something the centers have been able to do very well. I think uh, Chris Tierney's getting a lot of the um, attention because he's leading the team in points along with Thomas Shabbat. But Mikel Vodker being back with Matthew Shane is doing a lot of good things as well. What do you think, Pillsy?
0: Well, who'd you... You didn't vote.
3: I said Dylan know.
0: Okay. It's funny because you retweeted and you said, I voted for Tierney. <laughs> <laughs> Opinions change. There you go, Pillsy. Who you got?
2: Hey, well... I'm left with the bottom of the barrel, but hey, (laughs) bottom of the barrel isn't that bad when you've got Mikel Bodker, who I actually think has more offensive upside than guys give him credit for. I know he hasn't hit the 20-goal mark in his career, but I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Like you said, Chris, he's got really good chemistry with Matt Duchesne, and if he can have a full, healthy season and really build on that chemistry with Matt Duchesne and get lots of good power play time, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him with the 2020 season, 40 points, 20 goals, 20 assists.
0: That'd be awesome. And it's
2: not just the points that
3: he brings to the table as well. He's able to stretch the neutral zone out very well against some tough defending teams just because of his speed. I think he's going to be a good guy for Alex Formington to learn from because he's able to push the pace and spread the ice out a lot. And I think that uh, his clean zone entries that we know Guy Boucher loves – has been a big part of the offense so far because he's able to fly through the neutral zone and uh, help set up in the offensive
0: zone. So far, 148 of you guys have voted and 6% agree with Parliament there at the end with Mikhail Bodker, I should say, agree with uh, Pillar. Bodker's actually the only one that Parley hasn't voted for. Uh, Dylan DeMello has 25% of the vote and a nice round, 69% for Chris Tierney leading the way. And the way I asked this question, instead of just saying who has had the biggest impact, I said, whose jersey will we first see walking around the concourse of the CTC? Because all three of these Sharks are coming in looking to be fan favorites. They have all played hard style game and it's just been fun to watch.
5: All right, guys, down to a little bit of the fun stuff because you know me, I love the fun stuff. Which has been a crazier start to this season? Is that Connor McDavid in on all of the Oilers' first eight goals? He's either scoring them or getting an apple.
0: Nine, pretty. That Austin
5: Matthews, 16 points through seven games. Or is it Matthews' teammate, Morgan Riley? He's third in NHL scoring with 13 points. He's leading defenseman. This is crazy. Your thoughts?
0: All right, when do you guys go first?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll take the reins on this one. Although we all are very aware that Austin Matthews can get off to a hot start on the season, we saw him score four goals in his debut. I did not think he had this hot of a start in him. I've been in the newsroom at TSN for most of the Leafs games, and it's just ridiculous. All, all the Leafs love in there, and every single time Austin Matthews scores, it's like a fire drill, and everyone just surrounds the leaf the Leafs uh, TV and has to see the replay of that goal. This guy's been lighting it up and most of them all really nice goals too. So biggest surprise for me is Austin Matthews hot start. Can't feel too great about that. William Nylander, eh? Riley? Casper <laughs> and making William Nylander look pretty
3: obsolete <laughs> at the moment. I agree. Austin Matthews has been looking really good, but you know, when you look at Edmonton, you think Connor McDavid has to be the whole team for them to have success. He's literally being their whole team right now, and when you when you live up to lofty expectations like that, I think it deserves some credit. So I'm going to go with Connor McDavid.
0: Yeah, I think what's so crazy about that is that he's averaging 23 and a half minutes per game. That's 37 minutes where he's not even on the ice. Like, is something not going to go off a shin pad and in? Like, how is it possible that no goals have been scored when he's not only not on the ice, but when he doesn't directly. In, isn't directly involved in the play. It's preposterous. And as for Morgan Riley, name a more, name a job in the NHL that's easier. I, I Actually, I shouldn't take away all the credit, but he's got so many weapons around them that, yeah. I mean, 13 points. Yeah, it's impressive, but I mean, look look who he's playing with. Like You see Tavares, yeah. what he's doing, and you mentioned Matthews. So uh, yeah, I got to say that uh, Connor McDavid takes the cake on that one.
5: And finally, which team's hot start to the season is the least sustainable? Which of these is the real deal? I'm looking at Vancouver, Colorado, New Jersey, Carolina, Calgary, or Montreal.
3: I think Montreal is going to fall off pretty quickly here, and it's going to start on Saturday night against the Senators. Love that's it. a pretty easy, pretty easy one to answer there. Um, looking for that New Jersey team, and that's not just because I binge-watched that behind-the-glass preseason stuff on YouTube today. Uh, they're a pretty solid team with some good vets, and they are tougher than nails. Miles Wood, are you kidding
2: me against Jamie Benn the other night? Those guys are nasty, and I think that they can keep it going all year. Yeah, the one name that stuck out for me, guys, and this, is, this has been everyone's sexy, dark horse sleeper pick for years, the Carolina Hurricanes. Although their third jerseys are garbage, I really <laughs> think they finally have a team around them. Adding Dougie Hamilton was a nice pickup, in that trade, although they gave up Hannafin, who I think is going to have a great future, but Dougie Hamilton is that top four defenseman you want now. If Curtis McElhinney can keep this up some way somehow, I think honestly this Carolina team could sneak into the playoffs and give some people some trouble in the first round.
3: And you know they're going to be focused on uh, details with Rob Bod Brendamore behind the bench. Oh yeah. And boys, I was watching a Carolina game the other night. Do you want to hear a wild stat? Yeah. Dougie Hamilton has put a puck on net in 169 straight games. Leads wow. the NHL in that category. The next guy isn't even at triple digits.
0: Wow. Last uh, last thing I'll say about Carolina before we move on. They were interviewing Rod Brendamore here at 1050 uh, this morning, and, they asked about the conditioning, you know, him being known as Rod the Vod, if he changed up anything. And he said, no, but the one thing is I made sure I could do it because if I can do it and these kids can't, then we have a problem.
2: (laughs) Yep, that's fair.
0: So I love that. All right, Purdy, what's your last one?
5: Thanks, boys. It's been a blast. We'll catch you all next week for another installment of Prairie Fire.
0: All right. He didn't have a last one, so there's that. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I'm going to explain Send Central standouts, which uh, you'll get on Twitter at Send Central after each and every Senators game. So. It's it's pretty simple, but I'll just explain it once so that we've all got it. So each game, the four of us, depending on if Purdy watches or not, will give our top four Senators performers of the game. Hopefully these are tough decisions because there's so many, not because we're trying to fight to get one or two. <laughs> Any player who appears on two or less will be included in honorable mentions, but if we all have them, then they'll be included in the main part, which will then expand on their box score, why we have them where they are. And this is just a specific game by game. So streaks, they go out the window for this. It's who impressed you in this one moment of time. So uh, we do have it. You can look for the last two games, and we're going to continue that on. And we're going to have a monthly leaderboard, I think. And at the end of the season, whoever's up first, you know what
2: they win, boys?
0: Let's hear it. Our respect.
2: Woo. Yeah, I know. Yeah, R- Ross, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to change the template of that send standout because I think Brady Kachuk was just automatically one of the three every single game. So now I guess that third spot's finally open.
0: Yep, it yeah. sure seems like, and maybe the Calder race as well. Although Elias Pettersson, Elias Peterson, whatever he wants to go by now. Um, he's, he's also out with of course the concussion that uh, was on that Matheson hit which we don't have to get into but oh boy uh, soon it's going to be flag hockey um, four nights off between games so the Sens took advantage I'm sure everyone saw Instagram was out of control last night party at Grandma and Grandpa Pajot <laughs> So I'm sure everyone saw the costumes online. So my question, I'll start with you Parley, because I already know Pillar and I were together last night and spoke about it. Which one was your favorite?
3: I mean, I was a huge fan of Talladega Nights, So that's a special shout out for me. And especially because they're all living together. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. But Alex Formanton in the back of a horse costume. Are you <laughs> kidding me? That's such a classic. I love it. Great effort.
2: Great execution. Pillsy. Uh, well, my my costume award actually I hadn't I hadn't seen this till today. I think it's gotta go to Matthew Shane and his wife who had a really cool uh, way to reveal that they're expecting a kid now with the skeleton costumes and the little baby skeleton yeah. on the belly there. That's pretty cool. So I think that takes the cake for me.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad you guys left this one for me. And this one, I don't want to call it super undercover, because it, but it was only in one story. So like, not as many people saw it as they did uh, You know the CCs and the Pajos and a couple other honorable mentions. But, boys, Craig Anderson was Mr. Clean.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, could you have a more appropriate looking guy to be Mr. Clean? And they showed him at a pool table and, like, somebody put picked up their drink and he immediately, like, started cleaning it. So, I thought that, that,
2: that and, killed hey, me, man. That's Craig Anderson's job, to mop up the mess from all these uh, all these kids. So, I'm glad Mr. Clean's on duty.
0: Oh, I love Last it. Last
2: line of defense on ice and against the germs.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> shout out to the whole team and shout out for Guy Boucher pushing practice back. Back two hours so that the boys could uh, have a little recovery time. Uh, we know that, well, Stone probably got to the rink in two minutes if he still had his race car driving uh, apparel <laughs> on. A um,
3: slingshot. Yeah.
0: yeah, and another shout out as well. We knew going in that one of the reasons Boucher was keeping his job was because they were going to practice more, but the Sens have only had their mandated days off. Other than that, they've been on the ice every day. And I do think that'll pay dividends as we mentioned the four days off, but that leads up to the first rivalry game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators. That's on Saturday. Then on Tuesday, Ottawa finishes this season long five game homestand, against the Boston Bruins. Then, they'll travel, but we'll be back before the Friday game when Ottawa begins a three-game road trip through Colorado, Las Vegas, and Arizona. Ryan Dezingle should be good for Saturday. Coach Boucher says he should know by, by Friday, so tomorrow. Uh, Formanton CC still a ways out. Formanton skated today for the allotted amount of time that they wanted him to, wearing a non-contact jersey. CeCe is skating by himself. McCormick might be available. I hope McCormick plays on Saturday because I know Brady Kachuk was going to cause havoc, and I feel that Max McCormick can also kind of stir the pot in that same sense. What are you boys most excited about here going into this weekend stretch?
3: I'm excited to see how Thomas Shabbat continues to grow against the top-line matchups, and I've been a bit of a broken record on how tough some of these top-line matchups were. You talk about Boston, Dallas, LA's got a big top line out there. So seeing these guys grow against those guys, and I think he had a good game against Dallas. Shutting down Radulov was definitely the highlight of the night for me on that kind of partial break for him. He just stood him up and shut the play right down. I think it'll be fun to see if he can bring some offense to it against maybe a weaker team in the Montreal Canadiens. And then right back to the gritty stuff against Boston. And hopefully there's a
2: little better of a chilling shutting down that top unit this time than uh, last
0: time. Oh, they've been uncontainable.
2: The game that I'm circling right now, and I think this game has a lot of underlying importance, October 26th against the Colorado Avalanche. You cannot let them get two points on the Senators and bump back the Sens potentially in the standings and therefore improving their draft lottery chances with that next pick the 26 I'm declaring it that's a must-win game
0: well you'll remember that after the Sens acquired Duchesne they went over to Sweden last year and beat the Avalanche in both meetings last year that happened not even 24 hours apart but that seemed like the beginning of the end or the beginning of the demise of the Ottawa Senators and before we go, we have to give a, a real big shout-out. We always talk about how great the Send social media team is, and their editing team and their video team. Well, they put on quite the tribute for Ray Emery, and it was awesome that Jason Spezza was there. You saw he was emotional on the bench, and Good on Jim Montgomery for recognizing that. And I think he gave him the next three shifts off. I was, I was kind of watching. I was going to say, you know, there's obviously the TV timeout then, and they waited until after the next TV timeout uh, for Spetsa to get on the ice. So giving him some time, because we know that their relationship goes back. And there was the one moment, it was early on in the video where it was Spetsa with that goofy smile and Ray Emery uh, talking to each other. And and then they cut from that to Spetsa to show him on the bench and, uh yeah, if you boys want to mention anything that that stood out to you from that moment and and of course the anthem too, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh it was a great job by everyone involved with that Ray Emery piece. Um a big moment for me was seeing the pictures from Jason Spetz's wedding. I think they were shown later on in the broadcast, and seeing um, you know, Brian McGrattan, who definitely dealt with some devils in his career, and Ray Emery and Jason Spetz and they all looked happy and healthy at the wedding. And I think that that was uh, good for everyone to see the good times of those trio, that trio hanging out and uh, having a good time. And that was probably Ray Emery at his, uh, one of his happiest moments. So it was good to see that
2: as well. I think for me that in that video, the moment that really kind of touched me was when Ray Emery is on his second fight in that Buffalo Sabres game. I forget the guy's name. Peters.
0: Andrew Peters.
2: Yeah, yeah, Peters. Right after he just fought the goalie. And you just see that that little grin sneak out from Ray Emery. And I feel like that was Ray Emery at his prime. That's why he loved the game of hockey. And he put on a show for Sens fans, and he'll always be remembered as one of the greatest goalies in Sens franchise history.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned the anthem. That was his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend, Keisha Shante, who's from Ottawa and is a very prominent, probably a Juno-winning artist, maybe even... Uh, some awards in the States, but she was sung the anthem wearing a Ray Emery Jersey. So that was a great moment. And just to end on a positive, we don't want to end uh, in a depressing. I got a little story when you mentioned Andrew Peter's name, because that game with the brawl, I don't even have to explain more. The, that was the first of a home and home. So Buffalo played in Ottawa on the Saturday. I believe that was a Wednesday game. And I was at the game and the guy who was sitting right along the boards and it just was perfect because obviously McGratton, who wasn't in the lineup in that first game, was in the lineup for one reason. So they they go toe-to-toe and there's a picture somewhere on the web, I'm going to have to try to find it, but um, there's a sign being held up right beside the fight that says the Sabres have little Peters. So I, I thought that was great. So the Senators, they had a great week. couple divisional matchups coming up before they head west. Go Sens go from the heart of enemy territory in downtown Toronto. For Chris Parliament, Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. We'll see you next week on Making Sense of the Sens. Let's go! SENATOR!